Please turn with me in your Bibles once more to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, we're going to be looking at the last four verses of this chapter as we look at the theme of thanksgiving at the end of our communion season, giving thanks to our God for what he has provided us with. Verse 33 to verse 36, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him. And through him. And to him. Are all things. To whom. Be glory. Forever. Amen. Our theme this evening, our title for this evening's message is the greatness of God. The greatness of God. And as we draw to a close, at the end of our communion season, we have been given good food, have we not? From the table of the Lord. We have met with and been blessed by Jesus Christ. Those who have come to him by faith and by faith alone. He has brought us into his presence with that gracious meal that he has given to his people. To remember his death. To remember what he gave. His body and his blood. He gave us his life and it His life is food and drink. And so we give him thanks here this evening. And as we give thanks to our heavenly king. We think about his greatness. We think about his goodness. We need to see his greatness. In order to praise our wonderful king. So often we as Christians, we can pray for things. I think we all have this experience. We pray for things for many weeks maybe or months. And then the Lord graciously, wonderfully answers that prayer. He gives us something wonderful in prayer. But how often do we thank him? How often do we return to him with the thanks for that answered prayer? And I too, friend, I'm guilty in this area. Sometimes we have such a small view of our God. Because we have to realize that the good things that come into our lives, they're not accidents. They're not just happening. They don't come even purely from our hard work. They come from the sovereign Hand of Almighty God. You see friends. If we have such a low view of God. At times in our walk. If we forget the greatness. Of Almighty God. We can have a God who is small. Limited. A God we can comprehend. And the world loves a God. They can comprehend. And wrap their minds around. But friends. That God. That small G God. 
is an idol. Many groups around the world claim to follow God, but they want a God that their finite, small minds can understand. Friends, this is not the true God of the Bible. This is not the true God who made heaven and earth. This is not the true God who maintains and sustains us here this evening. And that is not the true God we met with yesterday. Who fed us. Who offered us himself. Who feeds us. The God of our imagination. The God that comes from the mind of men is an idol. Think of Psalm 115. It speaks of idols. Eyes have they, but they see not. Ears have they, but they hear not. Idols are worthless. Idols cannot do what they promise that they say they can do. Idols are to be ignored and discarded. We come to give thanks here this evening. To the true and living God who alone is worthy of our praise. Not the idols we conjure up in our minds. We come to see his greatness. His glory. Because we see then how much we have received from his hand. Because even if you're here this evening. Even if you have not come to Jesus Christ for salvation. Even if you only have... Temporary blessings in this world. You have every reason to praise and to thank him. Because everything. As the verse 36 says of our text. For of him and through him and to him. Are all things to whom be glory forever. It's all from him. So as we close our communion season here this evening. Let us see the greatness of God. And in seeing the greatness of God in our worship. Let us be in awe of him. Not a God we can wrap our minds around. Not a God we can grasp. But a great, powerful, infinite, incomprehensible God. And in seeing his power and his glory. We give him thanks. In seeing his greatness we give him thanks. And let us. In seeing these things. Worship him. Let it flow from our hearts. Not something we just work up mechanically. But something we see. We see something of beauty. We see something of admiration. We see the great wonderful God who saved us. And it is a, he is a God. We will never tire. Never grow weary. Of worshipping in eternity. We will never grow tired of worshipping and giving thanks to this God in eternity. We may be tired this evening. We may have aching, weary limbs from working hard all day. But we will never grow tired of worshipping this God in eternity. Because he is so great and so wonderful and worthy of all the praise. Our first point that we're going to be looking at here this evening from our text Is infinite in greatness. Infinite in greatness. Verse 33. Oh the depth of the riches. Both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Oh the depth of the riches. 
How deep do these riches go? How deep? If you could take the deepest ocean in the world, you can actually measure, and maybe many fathoms, there's a way to measure the depth of water. It's called a fathom. That fathom will go down and you measure all the fathoms down. There's no limit to the depth of God's riches. His riches are infinite. His greatness has no beginning and no end. Paul here, writing to the Romans, in Romans chapter 11, writing under the inspiration of the Spirit of Almighty God, he is writing about some deep and profound mysteries. In Romans chapter 11, dealing with the Jews and dealing with the Gentiles, he speaks about how God is a mercy upon whom he will show mercy in chapter 9. He talks of God's sovereign power. He talks about the Jews, the natural branches which will be which are cut off through unbelief. He talks about those who, who graft in again and cut off again. Verse 26, he talks about how all Israel will be saved. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. A great and deep mystery. He points out in verse 25. For I would not brethren that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. But in looking at this deep and wonderful mystery. Of all the reason God does these things. For his glory. For his honor. For for blessing his people. For advancing his kingdom. Being revealed. The fullness of the Gentiles to be brought in. By the grace and power of God. By the mercy of God. A great multitude of Jews. To be brought in. That God is able. To graft them back. Into that one olive tree. By faith. And that brings Paul. As he speaks about these great. And deep and profound things. Things that we cannot wrap our minds around. Too wonderful for us. In many ways. And it brings him to praise in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. It just brings him to the point of seeing how wonderful he is. How wise he is. How true he is. A God of no limits. He lacks nothing in wisdom. He lacks nothing in knowledge. In every way, there is no limit to the greatness of God. And friends, I ask you here this evening. Do you wish to be wise? Do you wish to be wise? We live in a generation that does not seek true wisdom. Where can you find wisdom? It is found in the pages of scripture. It is found In holy scripture. It is found from this God. Oh the depths of the riches. Both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Here is the one who is infinitely wise. Not like us. We have small finite amounts of wisdom. Temporary. Failing. But not like our God. Who is infinitely wise. And what does it mean? What does infinite mean? 
There is no limit. And it's very hard for us to grasp this. If you could fill a space with all the information in the world. Everything that is known about math. Everything that is known about science, physics, chemistry. And put it all into the most advanced computers in the world. How many hard drives would you have? How many storage units would you have? It's hard to comprehend. But you could store it all. Yes, it would be a huge number. Perhaps it would be larger than the world. But it's still finite. Even all the information that all the greatest minds that have ever walked upon the face of the earth, if you could combine them together, they would still be finite. It would still have limits. Go further, you can multiply that number by a billion. And it would still have limits. But what about God himself? Compared to the knowledge of God, all the information that I just spoke about is like a drop in an ocean of oceans. It is but dust upon the floor. It is nothing compared to the greatness of God. God is infinite. And we as finite creatures, we can never wrap our minds around infinity. God is infinite. The depths, the depths, there is no bottom to the depth of this ocean of his riches, both of wisdom and knowledge. All that God knows is far greater than anything we know. Should we not depend on him? But do we listen? Man today thinks he is smarter than God. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 25. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 25. It says this. Paul writes to the Corinthians. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Paul is not saying that there's any weakness in God at all. But he's making the point. God is far infinitely greater in terms of wisdom. He's so much greater in terms of wisdom than man. We can scarcely even put it into human language to compare. Sometimes we say it's like comparing an ant to an elephant. And that still would not come close to describing the difference between our knowledge, our wisdom, our anything compared to that of the greatness of God. But the sad thing is, so often you hear men talking, say in the media and other places, And they speak with such disregard for the knowledge and the wisdom of God. They think they are wiser than God. And that is blindness. Now the wonderful thing that awaits us, dear friends, is when we get to eternity, we're never going to get to the point where we're ever going to get exhausted. 
Or think, okay, I've learned enough about God now. Eternity will be so wonderful. Because we can spend an eternity in and the midst of the depths of all these riches. Surrounded by learning of God. Never exhausting of God. Eternity with God is, and we praise Him. We learn more and we keep drinking from that fountain of living water. We find more satisfaction. And the satisfaction in heaven never ever fades. There's nothing in this world like that. Even your greatest experience in this world fades over time. But with God, it is perfect. With God, it is wonderful. We have to realize we are mere creatures. We are of the dust of the earth. And God is the one who has made us all and all that is around us. We turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart. So that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. And also Job chapter 5 verse 9. Job and chapter 5 and verse 9. Job chapter 5 and verse 9. We start from verse 8 for the context here. It says, verse 8, I would seek unto God, and unto God I would commit my cause. Verse 9, which doeth great things, and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. And he does so many marvelous things. Will we not thank him? He blesses us in so many ways. We cannot compute or find out about these things, which brings us on to our next point. So we've looked at infinite in greatness. That's in himself. Infinite in greatness. And number two now. Incomprehensible greatness. From our point. He's incomprehensible. Incomprehensible. Now we can apprehend God. We can know God. But we cannot comprehend God. As I said earlier. The The God you can comprehend. The God you can wrap your mind around and grasp at. That's an idol. Who is not worthy of our worship. Because the God we can comprehend. Is the one that we can form with our finite brains. Formed with things we see in this world. Formed with things we end up worshipping. Not the true God. We have limited understanding, but our God is different. It says in verse 33 and 34 of our text, starting in the middle of verse 33, how unsearchable, unsearchable are his judgments and his ways. They're past finding out. Verse 34, for who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor? We are creatures, but God is the infinite Creator. 
And I think that's the thing to wrap our minds around that we can't wrap our minds around God. When we stop thinking this way, and it's so tempting, it's such a struggle for us. Our minds, when we forget the goodness and greatness of God, we drift. Our minds are idol-making factories, as Calvin would say. We will drift towards idolatry because we will compare him to things that we see in this world, that we love in this world. So we must continually remind ourselves of how great our God is and how the things we see around us. Can we compare him to anything we see in this created world as wonderful as it is? And as we see the heavens declare the glory of God and showeth forth his handiwork, there's nothing in this world that can compare to God. What happens when we forget that? Isaiah 46. Isaiah chapter 46. And verses 5 and 6. Isaiah 46. Verses 5 and verse 6. To whom will ye liken me? And make me equal. And compare me. That we may be like. They lavish gold out of the bag. And weigh silver in the balance. And hire a goldsmith. And he maketh it a god. They fall down. Yea. They worship. You see what Isaiah is writing here. To whom will you liken me? Whom will you make me equal? Who will you compare me to? And this, it's such a tragedy that we see this all around. The world at the moment. The evangelical world today. Is so surrounded with images of God. They have likened the infinite God to artistic pieces of art. That's been happening for some time now. To whom will you liken me? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The one true and living God. The triune God. He's incomprehensible. How do we know him? We know him from the scriptures. Because he's graciously come down. Condescended to us. And graciously revealed himself in the scriptures. We must be so careful. That we do not drift from knowing that he is incomprehensible. Because when we drift from that, we drift towards breaking of the second commandment. Friends, our God is far greater than our greatest thoughts of him. He is far greater. Than our greatest thoughts of him. We are in a constant struggle. To not compare him with what we see around us. In Isaiah 40 verses 17. Following. Isaiah 40. Verses 17 to 21. All nations. It says in verse 17 of Isaiah 40. Before him are as nothing. You see what it's saying? Compare the nations are pretty big, aren't they? 
What bigger could you say than all the nations? But compared to God, they're nothing. And they are counted to him less than nothing. And vanity, verse 18, to whom then will he liken God? Or what likeness will he compare unto him? The workman melteth a graven image. And the goldsmith spreadeth over with gold and casteth silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation chooseth a three that will not rot. He seeketh not unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. To whom then will he liken God? Or what likeness will he compare unto him? Verse 18. We struggle with this. As creatures, as fallen, finite creatures, we struggle with this. R.C. Sproul said this, Incomprehensibility is related to a key tenet of the, Re- the Protestant Reformation. The finite cannot contain or grasp the infinite. Human beings are a finite creature, so our minds always work from a finite perspective. Trust in the Lord. With all thine heart and lean not in thine own understanding. Book of Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not in thine understanding. Because your own understanding will get it wrong. The greatness of God. We cannot contain God in our tiny minds. Our limited creaturely minds. I hope we see as well. And we don't think, well, why bother? Why bother studying about God? He's incomprehensible. Why even try? Friends, let's put it another way. Uh, let's put it with a different question. Because I think if we ask that question, we're asking the wrong question. If he can be comprehended. If he can be grasped. If he can be explained by human means. If he is a God made of parts. Of this world. Why would you want to worship him? Why would you give him thanks. For giving every good thing in your life. Because that God is not the God. Who provides you for everything you need in this life. A God who is made of parts. A finite God. An idol. Cannot sustain. And maintain. And give us all that we have. All the goodness that we have in this world. And in the world To come. He is unable. But our God is different from the idols we make in our minds. The incomprehensibility of God. The immeasurableness of his greatness. There's a sense in which it should leave us speechless. In awe. There's a sense in which we just go. Lord I am undone. We are in the presence of greatness. We are in the presence of glory. And this is why he's worthy of our worship. This is why he deserves all the praise, all the honor. Verse 36, for of him and through him and to him are all things. You see how this makes sense more. The more you have a a greater sense of the bigness, the greatness, the infiniteness of God. But let us think before we move on to our next point. How can we deny his incomprehensibility in our lives? Perhaps you're reading something in the scriptures. And you don't see why God says that. 
You see that God says that, but you don't understand why. And so because you don't understand it, you haven't wrapped your mind around it. You haven't obeyed. Friends, God knows more than you do. Trust Him. Trust Him what He's revealed. There may be times you don't know why this is. But you see that God has directed this way. His ways are better. And our ways are finite and small. Number three now. Number three is incapable in gaining greatness. Incapable of gaining greatness. Verses 34 and 35. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again. To have the word incapable next to God can seem very, very strange. But there are things that God cannot do. He cannot deny himself. Our God cannot lie. Our God cannot change. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Our God cannot cease to be God. He is who He is. So when we speak of incapable, this is what we mean. Incapable of of gaining greatness because He is infinitely great. He cannot gain greatness. He cannot... Have more delight in himself from mere creatures in this created world. And you might say, well, we all agree with that, don't we? Sadly, friends, we do not. Many in the modern church will speak about a God who is at a loss and is lonely without creatures. I do not say that the Lord does not delight in mercy. He does. The scriptures reveal that. The Lord delights to save. This is why he saves. The Lord delights in showing mercy to his elect. And and all these things. But we must never think. That our God in somehow. Needs us. Or gains from us. Our God he cannot. Be any more satisfied. And blessed. Than he is. Our Westminster Confession of Faith says this in chapter 2, paragraph 1. And this is speaking about God. He is most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute. It also says in that paragraph, most loving, gracious, merciful. And we struggle with the language how to express I am that I am. This, this expression that God says out of the burning bush. He is who he is. He is most wise. He cannot get any more wise. He is infinitely wise. Most holy. He is infinitely holy. Most free. He cannot be any more free. Most absolute. He cannot be any more absolute. He cannot be any more loving either. Because he is most loving. Infinitely loving. Infinitely gracious and merciful. And we struggle with understanding these things. Because we're finite creatures. And we think. You see we think of creaturely relationships. We. In any relationship. We gain something. 
You know, you come home from work and you see your wife after a long day's work. You gain joy and happiness when you see your wife after a long day of work. Or when you see someone you haven't seen for a long time. You are blessed in their presence. We gain things from each other. We're blessed by each other. We gain happiness and satisfaction from each other. From things in this world. And this is the way we often think about relationships. This kind of give and take relationship. And so we think, well God must be like that too. So we must struggle to think, well if God doesn't gain anything from me. Well he doesn't care. But friends, he's not like us in that way. Our God lacks nothing. Before the foundation of the world. Before he spoke forth creation into the world. He lacked nothing. And this should make us more grateful that he made us at all. It wasn't that he was lonely. It wasn't that he lacked anything and he needed company. He was completely, totally blessed. May I say even happy as some of the older theologians would say. Joyful in his own presence. He doesn't gain anything from me. And he doesn't gain anything from you. But he freely, wonderfully bestows and blesses freely. Eternally. In our own relationship with God. And I know we can struggle with this. It says in verse 35... See the questions are being asked here by Paul, the apostle. Verse 35, or who hath first given to him? Who's given him anything? Or, and it shall be recompensed or repaid unto him again. You see, if we give God something, he owes us. And this is before we get to the point of realizing, yes, we're sinners. Yes, we deserve the wrath of God. But I'm talking about us us as mere creatures. What does God owe us, even apart from sin? Nothing. He gives us things. He blesses, but by promise, by grace, and by mercy. You see, friends, how many reasons we have to thank our God. He blesses us. We gain from him. We are blessed by him. We enjoy him. We delight in him. We praise him. That's a privilege. That's a, to thank, give thanks in this Monday evening after the end of a communion season is a wonderful privilege. It should never be a burden to come and worship God. Sometimes when we forget God's greatness and we think of God as small, we struggle to come to worship. But when we see how great He is, we so want to come and give Him thanks and praise. Our great, our great and wonderful God blesses so freely and so wonderfully. So, number three, is incapable in gaining greatness because he is infinitely great. Now, finally, number four, inescapable greatness. Inescapable greatness. 
So number one again, infinite in greatness. Number two, incomprehensible in greatness. Number three, incapable of gaining greatness. And finally, number four, inescapable greatness. There is an inescapable conclusion to all that Paul has been discussing. This expression of praise and thanksgiving for all that he's been explaining through Romans 11 and other parts as well. He breaks out in praise. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And he gives praise to him, bringing him to this inescapable conclusion. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. As we have seen, the inexhaustible, inexhaustible riches of his greatness, our riches will be exhausted. All the riches of the world compiled together can be exhausted, but they're not the riches of God. You see, all things that we see around us, Everything we enjoy, everything that we find good in this world comes from Him. And it should glorify Him. And it gives Him glory and it points toward His handiwork. He maintains all things. All things depend on Him. We are dependent upon Him. Think about this. Every single breath that is going into your chest right now, God controls it. Every single heartbeat that is going in your chest right now. When you lay on bed at night. God is the one who allows every single beat of your heart. Every second you're upon the earth. It's of him and through him and to him. The car that brought you to church. God allowed that. God sustained it. The health that you can be here. That is from God. All things are sustained by him. You see how, you see how we, we cannot scratch the surface. We cannot even come close. We cannot even, even if we spend an eternity of eternities praising him, we do not come close to giving him the praise that he deserves. He deserves all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. Without him, there is nothing. Nothing. He created this world Ex nihilo, as a lot of the old theologians will say, out of nothing. Inescapable greatness. Because, because he's made all these things, and when we go, if we go walking in creation, we see pointers and reminders of his greatness, his handiwork. We look up into the sky, we see his handiwork. Everywhere, we're reminded of the goodness and the greatness of God. His wisdom. And how scientists, they will look into things, they'll look into the body, they'll look into the cell, how well it's designed. You see the wisdom of God and how he forms the human body. And you see the grace of God. And allowing us sinners to continue to be on this world. The mercy of God and saving us. The justice of God. These things are all revealed and cannot be escaped. It's one of the reasons why you'll see the LGBT marches and other things like that. You see the anger. 
You see the rage and the fighting against the law and the light of nature. The things that are plainly seen all around them, they fight against them because they're inescapable. And they see these things and what do they do? They fight against basic truths like there's two genders, male and female. Now the spiritual blindness causing that. Inescapable greatness. Do we give him praise? Not just here in public worship. Praise God for public worship because we meet with our God in a special way. But do we give him, do we celebrate him the praise due to his name in our families? Around the table. Worshipping him, singing praise to God, reading the scriptures. Do we give him praise alone when no one else sees us? Do we call out to him when no one else is around to see? Do we read his precious, holy and infallible word? And in all these things we fall short. We inevitably will. But do we have a big view of God? A view that leaves us in awe. A view that leaves us wanting more. Not this tragic view of, I've learned enough about God. That's fine, I'll move on to other things. We've learned enough about God. Let's move on to church growth strategies. We will never, ever outgrow learning about Him. And it's what we have lacked in the Western church. And I pray that we will rediscover it. Do we see his beauty, his greatness? Because we are tiny and so powerless compared to God. May he be glorified here this evening. As we, yes, our praises are puny. Yes, even our greatest deeds are but filthy rags. But we see inescapable greatness. We see that of him and through him and to him are all things. And so we wish out of a heart of gratitude to praise him. It's not because it's going to save us. It can't. Because we see the greatness of God. We see his standard is infinite. Perfect, glorious, and wonderful. And yes, we fall short. But we all want to praise Him. We all want to thank Him. Not even just for what He's given us. And there's so many things we could thank Him for in our lives. But for who He is. For of Him. And through Him. And to Him. Are all things. To whom be glory. Forever. Not just in this world, but in the world to come. Not just in 10 years time and 100 years time. But when time itself is no more. In the new heavens and a new earth. To whom be glory forever. Amen.